Chris Farman here. We have one more segment we'd like to share with you before season two. We're calling it Friends of SBS. The purpose of this segment is to showcase the expertise and knowledge of our peers and colleagues in the craft industry. I have been a guest on this expert show three times already, and today we sit down with Jeremy Storton from Good Beer Matters Podcast. Jeremy is such an expert when it comes to spreading the word why good beer matters. On today's episode, we dive into what it means to be a Cicerone, what the various achievements are, and how to become a master Cicerone. We also talk about favorite food and beer pairings. Just a heads up, this episode may make you hungry and thirsty. Let's do it. Starting at that canning line really lit a fire in us. Every single bartender was supposed to ask, how did you hear about us? I fell in love with stuff that wasn't the crappy stuff we were drinking at college parties. Not to name names. <laughs> so today we're t- turning the tables, Jeremy. Uh, I think I've been on your podcast, Good Beer Matters, three times now. Three times. And we've invited you to join the True Craft podcast to learn more about yourself and then also learn more about your contribution to the craft brewing industry. Awesome. I'm, I'm super stoked to be here. Thank you for uh, bringing me on. You're welcome. You're totally welcome. So for all of our listeners, uh, give us uh, some history, some background, and your, your contribution to craft beer. Uh, so I, I came to the beer industry, I'll admit a little bit like uh, kicking and screaming a little bit. Um, I moved to Oregon from California in 2002 and, and couldn't tell the difference between an IPA or an ESB. I just knew there were three letters, one I liked, one I didn't. And, and, uh, and that was the extent of my beer knowledge. Um, and then living in Bend and, uh, Deschutes country, um, you know, it started, taking root, uh, a buddy of mine started home brewing and, and kind of piqued my interest. I started home brewing and, uh, next thing you know, I really started appreciating uh, good beer. Um, and you know, I've, I've told the story a, a, a few times, but it was actually watching that wine documentary called Psalm that, uh, made me want to become a beer guy. Ironically, um, it's just the way that they talked about it, the way they romanticized it, the way that they, pursued greater education, but talked about it from the sense of a cultural impact and an experiential, um, uh, point of view, uh, is what really enamored me to, to flavor. And, and consequently I chose beer. Um, and from then on, I pursued it from just working in, in breweries in, uh, uh, and in 2016, I decided, you know, I'm, I needed I need to increase my knowledge if I'm going to do anything of value in this industry. So I uh, uh, became an uh, Institute of uh, Brewing and Distilling certified brewer. Uh, I was a home brewer since 2007 already. Um, I got my BJCP certification and, uh, and, and I had my Cicerone beer server. Um, so I got my uh, certified Cicerone in 2017. Uh, and here we are in the in the uh, not quite spring of 2021, but last year I tested for the written portion of the advanced Cicerone and just waiting for uh, the opportunity to go to Chicago and do the tasting portion and, and hopefully tick that off my list of things to do. Um, 
but as far as impacting the brewing industry, in 2016, I started um, writing about beer, had a wonderful per- right place, right time opportunity, and started writing a beer column for a magazine called 1859 in Oregon. Uh, and that led to writing some articles for other publications like craftbeer.com and Vinepair and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but around that time, after getting my certified Cicerone, I started looking into uh, podcasts because I wanted to continue my beer education. And I didn't find anything that served exactly what I was looking for. So uh, I decided to create my own. And uh, so in uh, twenty beginning of 2018, I started Good Beer Matters, which um, explored the, the, the craft of beer, the culture of beer, and really to serve people in the beer industry, whatever aspect you're in. And uh, it just really give uh, actionable knowledge as well as more um, understanding of the culture at large and a, a greater perspective. And that, that's that's what brings us here. That's how I met you, and and we've been uh, chatting off and on for a while now. Yeah, cool. I want to talk more about the podcast in a second, but I'm curious about the Cicerone certifications. Can you walk me through the levels? I know there's multiple levels, and I think the server is relatively easy to get, but the levels above that become exponentially harder. Can you share with me and the listeners what that looks like? Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the Cicerone program, uh, very much similar to uh, the sommelier program. Um, You know, there are four levels that culminate in master uh, on both sides. The, the purpose of this is just to um, have a wide breadth of knowledge in the in the beer industry. And I got my beer server working for a brewery, uh, and the whole purpose of that um, was that they wanted to make sure that that we knew more about beer than the average beer drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and Chris, if you and I walk into a tap room and we know more than the average beer drinker about beer, so that's a different story, but the average beer drinker just, you know, they, they, it gives you a really good foundation. Um, and I've actually spoken to, uh, Ray Daniels, uh, and, and one of the master Cicerones about this too. And, and a good analogy would be to think of the four levels as, you know, graduating high school, the first level, graduating with the BA for the second level, getting your master's for the third and getting a PhD in beerology for master, uh, because they do get, exponentially harder. Um, they dive further into the weeds in more detail, but it really covers five different, uh, categories. One is the process and ingredients. Two is keeping and serving like glassware and draft systems. The third is understanding, uh, beer styles. And, and that alone is just, uh, endless. Um, fourth is a uh, flavor evaluation and five is uh, beer pairing. So you have to understand each of those categories, uh, at, greater levels of depth as you go further into the Cicerone program. I know a lot of our customers require their staff to become server certified, but do most people stop there or do they go on to the next level and in which level are you at in the four? So uh, I'm a second level certified Cicerone. Um, and like I mentioned a second ago, I'm going after that third level. Um, you mentioned it is relatively easy to get that first level, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to say that it's easy. It does take some study. It does take some experience. Uh, someone who goes from no beer knowledge cannot just pass that test on the first try. Um, 
But, you know, I, I was homebrewing for a while. I worked at a brewery. I had to brush up on beer styles and get a better understanding of uh, beer pairing and that sort of thing. And then for me, it was a little bit easier to pass. Um, yeah, the various levels. There are, there are a lot of people, and I don't remember the numbers, but there are a, a vast majority of certified beer servers. A lot of places require that you have that. Those who take their uh, beer... Uh, program seriously who want to level up their game and 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 outcompete their competitors who don't require it. Certified Cicerone is really ideal for those who really want to be leaders in the pub or like me uh, work out in the um, in the sales force for a brewery, and so you can literally uh, and legitimately go out and be a leader, be a guide, uh, be a teacher. Um, the advanced Cicerone, you start getting into. Um, there's a, a diminishing return on, uh, on actual, you know, one for one value. And, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek cause I am going after advanced, uh, but advanced is perfect for those people who are going to oversee a lot of certified Cicerones or, or training staff. And you have to be the leader of the leaders. Um, master for me, uh, from my perspective, having spoken to a few people, unless you have that job with a very large brewery and you're overseeing education for all facets of that, you know, that large brewery, it, it's, it's really expensive. It's extremely time consuming. It's, it's, it's tough. It's stressful. Uh, how many master Cicerones are exist? Uh, last time I checked, there were 19 and last time I checked for advanced Cicerone, and we're talking in the world, mm-hmm. um, 19, uh, masters. There were, uh, not quite 140 advanced, and there were thousands, um, like three or four thousand certified, and and probably tens of thousands of uh, certified beer servers. Wow. Yeah, I, I think the whole concept is 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 very interesting, and there needs to be a standard for beer knowledge and tasting and the ability to speak about it, just like there is in wine. I recently learned that there is an all uh, there's a master program also for water. I don't know yeah, if you've heard, yeah. you've heard about this, but I, I yeah. chased that mole hole for a while, uh, specifically around the 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 seltzer waters and the the carbonation yeah. and and where where it comes from. That was very intriguing to me. I, I didn't pursue anything any any certification, but I um, yeah. W- I personally love seltzer water and always order it when I go to a restaurant. Of course, I'm usually ordering the the, the known names because that's all they they offer. However, mm-hmm. it is um, interesting that they have these various certifications. It, it that's an interesting thing that you bring up because even if you don't want to become a water sommelier, or even if you think that that's absolutely ridiculous, then here's a challenge that I will lay down: um, is go grab. Um, Go grab a bottle of distilled water, of reverse osmosis water, of of um, over the counter, you know, fancy brand mineral water, um, still and with no gas, and and taste them side by side, and 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 my my awakening to that appreciation of just the water, and it really translated into the beer world. Is um, in 2015, my family went to Spain. We went to this little monastery thing and there's a natural spring coming out of the side of the mountain and we tasted it and you filled up our water bottle with that water and 
and there was so much solute and minerals and content in there. It was almost like drinking a um, an unflavored Gatorade. It, there was just so much body and 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 just a, a impact to that water as opposed to something you and I would get out of our tap. It was it was an unreal experience, and it was just water. Yeah. That sounds delicious. I'm like salivating thinking about it. <laughs> what? Because I said Spain or <laughs> uh, all of it, Spain, uh, the body, the full, the full flavored water, it, uh, the whole thing just sounds amazing. Yeah. It, you know, one thing I wanted to mention uh, before you close out on the Cicerone conversation, um, I, I think it's important for your listeners to uh, at least uh, appreciate, you know, the, the purpose of having Cicerone and having it basically you're pre-vetted when you walk into a room and start talking about beer. Um, you know, instead of having to go in and begin the conversation like you and I just did of tell us about your background in the beer industry and why we should listen to you. Um, it's kind of nice to be able to walk into the room. And if, if people know that you're whatever level of Cicerone, they automatically know, okay, this person knows what he or she is talking about. Um, and it, it, it's nice to just kind of have that part of the conversation out of the way so we can get right into, you know, guiding through or educating or, or having a, a more meaningful conversation. That's killer, man. That's really awesome. Let, let's go back to the podcast for a few seconds. I've looked at the variety of topics that you talk about, and it's really a wide range. You're, you're appealing to many audiences when it comes to the topics I go on there and talk about finance. I know our friend Julie has been on there and talked about marketing. Mm -hmm. You interview a lot of brewers, you acknowledge diversity. Tell us more about your, your thought and your goals with the podcast. Uh, well, I'll start with, so with my podcast, I'm really trying to talk to three different people and all of them are part of the beer industry. Um, in, in some aspect, one are people, like me, going after higher education and want to be leaders and guides. Um, two would be those people who work in the industry, whether it's for a distributor or at a pub or just some restaurant that serves beer, and but they want to do a better job. And then lastly is just those people who are just really enthusiastic about beer. Maybe they're a home brewer, maybe they're retired, maybe they, maybe they work in finance, but they're really into beer. Um, the, the, I want to those are the three people that I'm talking to with this podcast. And, and I use the tagline. It really kind of helped when I developed that. It really helped me focus on what the topics will be because I talk about the craft and the culture of beer. And so we can talk about flavor profiles and off flavors and acetaldehyde and diacetyl. And that, and that's going to be neat for, for one group of the population but then I had, you know, one of my, um, I don't want to say my favorites, but one that was really special to me was being able to talk to um, uh, the uh, Spencer Abbey um, you know, and really diving into what it is to be a Trappist beer, but talking to someone from the inside who's actually making the beer, who's part of the the, the uh, International Trappist Association and and really understanding the culture behind the beer that we all love and celebrate. Um, so for me, it's just really about uh, understanding the, the the details and what I think are the actionable items in the beer world, but understanding why that matters. That Hence the name of the podcast, Good Beer Matters. Why does it matter and what are the matters that we're going to discuss? To me, that's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Awesome, man. Well, I, I enjoy every episode that you put out and I, I, I try to listen to everyone. Um, so keep that, keep that going. I think, as you mentioned, since we've begun podcasting, we're learning about more and more podcasters out there for the craft brewing industry, but they're, they're still lacking, right? There, we, we don't have the numbers that other industries do or other topics do. So I think that your contribution yeah. is huge to, to the industry. So, uh, Oh, thank you. I appreciate that immensely. You're welcome. I will do. Awesome. So the main reason I wanted to bring you on today was to learn more about you and also talk about food. Uh, I think a topic that's very uh, amicable to to most people out there. And, and, you know, I have seen a major shift in taproom models over the last two years. You know, I was preaching a year prior to COVID that this is the time if you're going to expand to a second location or if you're if you're going to expand, period, that a brewery should consider a permanent food program. Because for a long time, breweries would have what I call a temporary food program, which would either be a food truck or locally sourced snacks or locally sourced frozen foods that they would put on a conveyor belt. And it was really helping the the patron at the tap room stay for a little bit longer. And I really believe that beer should be enjoyed with food. Uh, I think we and we go to college and we grow up drinking beer to get drunk, but when you when you taste something as delicious as craft beer, food can only excite it more and and bring it out more. So, can you give us your thoughts on whether a tap room should have food, whether an expansion should have food, and just overall kind of w- what you're seeing regarding food programs and in um, breweries. Sure. Um, So, and this really is a multi-layered answer to your question. And of course, part of it is, um, you know, far better than I do that a tap room who has beer and food, they're going to make way more money on the beer and hardly any money on the food. And so um, Having never owned a bar or restaurant or tap room myself, I feel like a little bit of an armchair quarterback. Um, that being said, I've worked in the beer industry, serving, bartending, um, in many different capacities. So I, I do have some opinions on the matter. Um, uh, from a very just logistic utilitarian point of view, even just from the safety guidelines of we don't want to send people home after two or three beers with no food in them. It's, I mean, from a very simple standpoint, you you need a little bit of both. Um, But, but I, I, I assume you're not talking about just the utilitarian. I I think um, I'm, I'm interpreting your question as where does the romance come in with the food and beer and, and so much more than just nourishing our bodies, but how do we commune with each other? How do we have that, um, ceremonial aspect of, of beer and food and, and that experiential, um, is where I, I believe what you're really asking. Am I correct in this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, years ago, uh, I had a, I worked at a, a really nice Italian restaurant and the manager, I'll, I'll say he told me, but he was talking to all of us, but I mean, I've nev- never forgotten this. He said, two people go out to restaurant or people go out to restaurants for two reasons. One is to have an experience they cannot have at home. And the other reason is to not have to do dishes. And so, and so the people who are going out to restaurants so they don't have to do dishes, they're, 
they're not looking for an experience, maybe they're open to an experience. And that's where a talented server, a talented bartender, and you know, with with knowledge and passion, um, they can turn that around and turn that that casual customer into a raving fan. But let's talk about those people who they are going out to have an experience they cannot create at home. They're looking for a celebration, a commiseration. Um, There's so many different reasons why people will go out under those two categories. And it's, 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 in my opinion, it's our job to find out what their mental state is, what, um, what kind of experience they're looking for, and then try and deliver as best we can. The tools that we have are good food and good beer, uh, and arguably wine and other things too. But this, this is really what we're talking about. Um, it's, it's, it's that collision of, of those flavors and that right environment and making sure that they pair well and, and, uh, and, and, and all the other environment, environmental factors, your, your affect, your body language as a server, bartender, manager, um, the, the, the music, the, the ambiance, these are all the things that can come together and synergize and create something bigger than, than what they ought to be. Um, and, and that's the fun part that for me, that's the thing that wakes me up in the morning is how can I take those, those nights that we'll never forget those meals that were just so memorable. Um, how do we deconstruct those and figure out how the parts work and then put them back together at will and create these experiences that, that are just phenomenal. That That's a thing that's interesting to me. I, I get, I get super excited when I learn that I'm, visiting a brewery that has a, a permanent food program because I, I believe the brewery owners put the same passion and craft into designing that part of the menu. Yes. As they do beer. Now it may not always be profitable, <laughs> but that's another topic yeah. for another day, but I'll never forget going to Surly in Minnesota and sitting in that giant beer hall and looking at their food menu and their beer menu. And it was, it's, it was very well crafted and, and the atmosphere, right. The sitting by the giant hundred barrel brew house, it maybe was a 200 barrel brew house, the biggest brew house I'd ever seen. Um, you know, those experiences are ones that I, I, I won't, I'll never forget. And, and I would say that most, brew pubs that I visit don't disappoint. They have put together a, they brought a, they put together a good team, right. To mm-hmm. be able to execute on the food side, the beer, I, I view it as a wheel, right? The beer wheel is spinning true. And most of the time the food wheel uh, spins true as well. And I would say from a financial standpoint, yes, you want to be profitable when it comes to food and that it takes a while for breweries to get that because they most believe that the profits on the beer side really can hold up the profits in the back of the house in the kitchen. Yeah. When in reality, I've seen on three occasions kitchens completely sink businesses in 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 brew pubs. So it, it is important. The idea of profitability in the, in the kitchen is, is becoming at the forefront for brewery owners now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it day in and, and day out. 
Um, do you do you have any guideposts or uh, things that you look for when you're pairing food and, and beer in, in the tap room? Are yeah, you looking for um, something like fancy or do you want something simple but elevated? Well, and let me just tie into your previous comment, then I'll answer this because I think they're tied together. Um, and and I completely understand and appreciate profitability. And anyone listening to this really ought to hire you to help them figure out how to make things profitable. Because as much as and as much as I want to go to a brewery and have a really nice saison or a Belgian double, and then have this wonderful meat and cheese board, I know cheese is not a very profitable item, and there's a ton of loss with that. And and so maybe that's not your go-to move unless, unless you can figure out how to solve that, uh, that problem. But, um, but it, it, to your point, you made this comment and I really wanted to address it is you'll see people who are just really, um, uh, mindful about the craft of the beer, but the food sucks or is not commensurate with the beer. The ambiance is hasty and thrown together. And, and the same manager I re- referenced earlier, uh, another word of wisdom I'll never forget, said, if you want to uh, you know, understand how a restaurant works or see how you know, clean a, a, a restaurant is, go look at the kitchen, go look at the bathroom. And, and so if you go in there and they're talking about, oh, this is our beer, we won an award, this and that, but the food you know, is just basically like a, a bag of peanuts and, and the bathroom is just trashed, you know, now, now I know, now I know what's kind of going on here. Um, so the guideposts for, for some of these pubs, at least from my perspective, with my experience and, and as a consumer, it, whoever you are, whoever you want to be, be that, be that in its entirety. If you want to be a dive bar and, and, and your thing is, you know, dark room and pool tables and, and domestics, Great but don't serve me an IPA with, uh, with, where the lines haven't been cleaned in two months and in a dirty glass that, you know, don't, don't even have the IPA there. If, if you want to be the dive bar, be the dive bar. If you want to be the fancy charcuterie board with the Belgian double, be that. Um, but it's all these mixed messages where things just tend to fall flat and that experience just doesn't pan out for me. Yep. I would agree that attention to detail when you introduce a permanent food program is really anytime, but when you introduce permanent food is critical because patrons will pick up on that stuff and they, um, they won't return. You will not, you will not earn a repeat customer if the attention to detail is not there. What is your favorite food to eat with beer? Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it depends on the day, uh, really. It depends on mood. It depends on the season. Um, uh, but a couple, a couple things, whenever I think about this question and, you know, with all the guests on my podcast, I ask about your last meal, last beer. And, and, and so I, I think about this. The meals that I keep on coming back to consistently um, really consist of just flavor experiences or flavor memories. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I, the things that I love the most on my birthday last year, I created this incredible cheese and, and, um, and, and charcuterie board with olives and nuts and, and, you know, all and dried fruits and everything. And I paired that with a wonderful farmhouse beer from Jester King. To me, that's one of my quintessential all-time favorites is a good, 
good charcuterie cheese board with a good farmhouse saison. Um, the other one that I default to on a pretty regular, consistent basis would be really good nachos and a Pacifico. Um, and for me, that's a flavor memory. Whenever I have those flavor combinations, that takes me right back to college, right back to the beach on a, on a day off um, on a bike ride with my girlfriend, now wife. It's so funny you say that. There's a dive taco joint here in Jacksonville, Florida, and my wife and I will escape on date nights and do wacky tacos and Modelo. And it, it takes us back to a place as well. It's just, there's something very comforting about that. I know we're talking about craft beer here, but you know, it, there is something about creating that, that memory of, 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 you know, history that was, was so uh, comforting and relaxing. That's enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Um, do you believe that any brew pub or brew, do you believe that any tap room can just throw a pizza kitchen in the back and be profitable or do do well? Uh, no, because, you know, they always say that, you know, like like pizza is like sex, even when it's bad, it's really not that bad. Um, you right. Uh, I. I would disagree. I've had some pretty bad pizza before where it's like, yeah, no, I'm good. You know? Um, and, and even, you know, even, you know, pizza, you know, may not, you know, be the easiest thing to mess up. I mean, you know, even frozen pizza does have its place, but you know, the more like you and I, the more that we've experienced better food, better beer, better experiences, the the more I, I want more of that and less of the stuff we're trying to get away from so um so to just throw a, a pizza kitchen in the back or a, a, a oven you know to me it seems like okay you're, you're heading in the right direction but how you execute on that how you bring it all the way home um kind of like craft beer there's a lot of people home brewing and and making some craft beer but yeah it can always get better so profitable that that's that's your world chris my my world is is how, how where's the joy where's the romance sure awesome do you have any uh resources books or articles around this topic that people can reach out to and learn more about oh um yeah, I think, um, in fact, I, I intend to do a, a post or put this on my website. I'm, I'm redoing my website and right now and trying to do a better job with resources. Um, but the for anyone who is interested about beer, anyone who wants to work in the uh, beer industry, the you know the, the the playbook, the the beer 101 book that I think everyone should read through and, and have a, a, at least a basic understanding would be tasting beer by Randy Mosher. That is that it covers everything in as, in such an enjoyable, visually exciting way, which is fancy for saying there's lots of pictures too. Um, it, it's a great way to understand the world of beer, understand what you're getting yourself into, and then come back to uh, after you have some experience, some knowledge and dive even deeper. It, 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 I always, I'm, I'm always skeptical when they say that this is good for beginners and advanced users alike. This book actually is good for beginners and advanced users alike. Um, uh, so that would be the very first thing. Um, and from there, 
for people who are very, you know, like dedicated that this whole beer and food thing, um, like I mentioned before with the, the, the five different things that, um, that Cicerones have to understand, everyone kind of defaults to their own little, their own little niche. Some people just get really into draft systems. Some people get into flavor evaluation for those people who really want to dive headfirst into the beer pairing camp of Ciceronia, um, then you're going to get into uh, Brewmaster's Table uh, by Garrett Oliver is is the quintessential guide that we all uh, must read several times in our life to you know just understand um, uh, the beer pairing by um, Julia Hers and Gwen Connolly is another fantastic book um, and I'm sorry I don't remember the title but the there's a book um, it's by Steve Jones on pairing. Uh, beer, wine, and cider with cheese. Uh, but of course the whole beer part was the one that I paid attention to. That was fantastic on that particular niche. Um, and and I'm sure there are more out there. There's a bunch of books by, uh, Cicerone that, that really give you a good, uh, in-depth look at, at the beers as well. But as far as just beer and food, those are the ones that I'd send people to right away. I'm also doing some work, uh, with a company called Brew Logics and, and they also have a subsection um uh, called brewery db and and so um i'm doing a bunch of educational uh videos this year and 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 so and some of those videos are going to be all about food pairing and and what beer to pair with and what to expect and and so that's another resource i want to throw out there not not to not not to uh give a, a a selfish plug but the intent of this series is to help educate people so i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that what exactly is the series? Is it a is it written or is it a podcast or? So uh, we're going to do uh, twelve videos this year, one a month on on food pairing. And the very first one I did was talking about how to pair food, the ABCs of pairing, just to understand the basics of how to approach it yourself. And then subsequent videos for the rest of this year, we will talk about um, you know. Um, I'm putting together like, you know, what beers go with pizza, uh, as a matter of fact, or, um, and you will, know, we'll continue out about just how to put beer and specific food together. Um, and then we have what's going to be uh, a video podcast where we really dive into the styles. Um, but without being just a, uh, unabashed beer nerd, we're going to talk about the beer styles, but the story behind those styles and and what kind of foods are ideal with those styles and really just kind of give the full context to understanding the style itself and 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 what to what to do with it what to make of it cool so we're about to wrap up here pretty soon but i i want to ask you a few more questions uh first do you want to share with the listeners which brewery is is doing all that we've talked about right uh experience food and beer um Gosh, there's, uh, there are a lot of breweries that are doing a great job. There are a lot of breweries that are doing a pretty darn good job. Um, oh gosh, off the top of my head, there's a, there's a few breweries that I absolutely love for a variety of reasons. Um, and so I, I now currently live in Arizona, but I've only been here for a few months. So I, I kind of have to default to my experiences living in Oregon, but, um, uh, Deschutes Brewery was always one of those breweries I, I would go to on, on a birthday because the food was really good and they always had some, you know, really fantastic beer you cannot find 
um, out in the market. It was kind of pub only, but it was always exceptional. Um, Rogue is another one of those uh, breweries that I have a particular penchant for the sea and especially harbors and, and boats and everything. And you can sit there and just look at the, the boats. And, you know, I, most of their beers are, I, I absolutely love. There's a few that I'm, you know, Hey, I'm so glad that you tried it, but it's not for me. Um, like, like I remember they did some chili beers and some other things. Um, and even the, the, their, their food is not the first place I think of when it comes to like the best brewery food, but, um, but the overall ambience of being there at the sea and having the brewery right there, um, and just having just these wonderful innovations of beer. And one of my favorite moments in, in Beardom was going there one day and they had a, a Grojitskia, uh, on tap, which is a really rare beer. It's, it's hard to find. And they, they nailed it perfectly. And it just so happened that same day they had a sandwich special of a muffaletta sandwich. So I had a muffaletta sandwich and a grojitskia, which is like a combo that uh, you'd never put together in a million years. But that day it was perfect with the ocean, my family and the sandwich and the beer. It was, it was just, it was just incredible. But, um, uh, other, other breweries that have just really stuck out of my mind, um, Jester King in Austin, of course, Urban Roots in Sacramento, um, just add some fantastic food and, and a perfect, perfect check pills. And even on the big island of Hawaii, Ola Brewing, um, they're doing some exceptional things and, and everything that they're doing is just right. And it's just, it's, in, it's, in, it's inspiring. And I, I hope more breweries try to do more things along those aspects. That's awesome. So Jeremy, tell all the listeners where we can learn more about you and access your podcast and get in contact with you. Awesome. Um, so my, my podcast is at goodbeermatters.net. Um, I do have, uh, uh, good beer matters on Facebook, but I don't hang out on Facebook very often. Uh, Instagram, good beer matters. Uh, I spend almost all my time there. I finally got my YouTube channel up to start putting more videos on, uh, and a lot of that will be educational. Um, and, um, yeah, I think in all the podcasts, you can find that on, on all the usual suspects like, you know, iTunes and, and, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. But, um, yeah. And, and hopefully on your website, you can, if people are rooting around on your website, hopefully they'll, they'll find us there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll post it there. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us and you're always a wealth of knowledge when it comes to beer and experience and and i hope you keep spreading the word i appreciate it and thank you so much for having me on your podcast it's uh it it's a joy to talk to you always awesome jeremy talk to you soon man all right thanks bye-bye thank you for listening to this episode of the true craft podcast links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes this podcast is sponsored by small batch standard Small Batch Standard is the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax planning and filing, and growth consulting. Visit sbstandard.com today to learn more and request a discovery call. See ya!